1: Got a fantasy question? Email fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy
0: reality.
1: Now here's Frank, Scott, and Chris.
0: Jose Barrios might might be back. Let's talk about it. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, April 26th. Frank Stample joined by Scott White. Today on the show, we're going to recap all of Tuesday's games, rank the recent pitching promotions, pitching prospect demotions as well. I guess we'll talk about that. Uh, Jose Barrios had his best start in a long time, and much more before we get started. Big thank you to everybody who has subscribed on YouTube over the years. We just hit 20,000 subscribers, which is awesome. Great milestone. Shared it with the bosses today. They're ecstatic. They love it. Thank you to everyone who has subscribed. If you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating. We really appreciate it. Scotty, let's jump in. Yes. Let's do it. You can put it on the board, yes! Mm. Yes! You know, it's probably not the best idea that I use a White Sox sound drop on the day that Jose Barrios dominated them, but alas, Scotty, Mm. here we are. Oh my goodness gracious, for you.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Barrios because <laughs> he, this, was, this was the best Barrios we've seen all year, and let me see. Let me remind myself if it's the best we saw of last year, too. And he did have some good stretches last year, even though he finished with a 523 ERA. Uh, oh, yeah, he had a 13-strikeout effort last year, a couple of them, actually. So, no, not not the best Barrios we've seen in two years, but the best we've seen this year, he struck out nine in seven shutout innings against the White Sox, had 16 swinging strikes, including seven on his changeup, which is not a pitch he features much usually. He threw it about twice as often in this one, and clearly it was working for him. I think what's even more notable than the strikeouts or the swinging strikes for Jose Barista, though, is that average exit velocity in this start, 80.1 miles per hour. You know, there, there have been times when... He seemed to be pitching pretty well, but he was still getting hit so hard that it gave us reason for skepticism. And now if you look at his season-long average exit velocity, it's similar to two years ago. similar to before the the troubles really began for him. And so, you know, this just fits in with the theme of this season or at least this April where when it looks like we have a read on a pitcher, suddenly everything changes because – between this start and the seven strong innings he threw at Houston last time, Barrios is looking like a pretty good bet again. And I, if, if I was on the verge of dropping him before, I'm clearly not now.
0: Yeah, and you're probably not going to find him on many waiver wires because he's 81% rostered on CBS. His first two starts this season, Jose Barrios, quite bad. But his last three now, 19 innings pitched, three earned runs, 18 strikeouts, to just two walks. The control has been key for Barrios so far this season, limiting some of that hard contact, as you mentioned as well, Scott. And he needs to have one fastball, one of his two fastballs. He throws a four seam and a sinker. He needs to have one of those working at all times because when he gets into trouble, it's like he can't command those and he's basically just goes downhill fast. The sinker has been really good from this year. I was watching that start today. He threw a few, like 96 mile per hour with, like crazy movement like away from left-handed batters. It was just really, really impressive from what I saw from from Jose Barrios in this one. Not ready to say that he's all the way back, but obviously we are trending in the right direction. And Scott, I noticed uh, you were updating the rankings here on Tuesday night and you got Jose Barrios up to SP67. Was that before, after, while the start was going on? That was before. Okay.
1: And so let me see if I might want to move him up more uh if i can pull it up here okay 67 is where i have him now i could get him probably to about 60th i I, so i have jack flaherty 61st i think bereas i could staple him to flaherty flaherty also showing signs of coming around recently that would put put them also in the Graham ashcraft range of my rankings and I've expressed doubts about Ashcraft recently, his ability to sustain what he's done so far. So I think that's about the right range that would put them behind Justin Steele, Johan Oviedo, who looked pretty good in, in today's outing, even though he ended up with 4 earned runs. It, it certainly could have gone a lot worse against the Dodgers. So I haven't lost faith in Oviedo because of today's start. I think that's probably the right range for Brios and, and Flaherty both.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense, too. I'm currently in the process of updating my rankings. Uh, I have him down at SP78, but he's going to move up quite a bit. And that's a similar range that I was looking at as well. I have Grayson Rodriguez at 61, Alex Cobb at 62, but maybe just behind those guys, or right around those guys. I think that's a, a good range for Jose Barrios. Hopefully continues to keep that working. Oh, my goodness gracious for me. Uh, I'm going to go with a pitcher as well here, Scott. Josiah Gray, his best start of the season at the New York Mets. Six shutout, four hits, one walk, nine strikeouts with 20 20 swinging strikes against the Mets lineup. Nine of them on the slider, seven on the fastball, three on the cutter, uh, limited the hard contact, just 86.3 exit velocity against in this one. And oftentimes when Josiah Gray has succeeded, it has been accentuating or favoring the secondary pitches, the breaking pitches. He actually went four-seam fastball heavy in this one, but it worked, man. He had everything working in the start. If you look at the CSW, the called strikes plus whiffs on all of his pitches, they were great on every single one of his pitches. So uh, outside of opening day, Gray's been pretty consistent. His last four starts, two earned runs or fewer. He's only 34% rostered. He's going up against the, the Pirates this weekend, so if you started him in a two-star week, obviously you feel fantastic, and it looks like he's at the Diamondbacks next week. There aren't many names, Scott, that stood out to me from a waiver wire perspective on, on Tuesday here, but if there was one pitcher, it was Josiah Gray.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was his best start of the season, and you, you pointed out the irony that it was also the start that he featured his fastball the most, the, the pitch we've been calling on Josiah Gray to fade because of how hard it gets hit. It didn't get hit hard in this one. You mentioned uh, Josiah Gray's average exit velocity for the game was good. On the fastball itself, it was 83.5. It was even better than his overall exit velocity for the game. So uh, I don't know what was different about the fastball. I don't know if he could... if, If this is going to be a formula for success for him moving forward. But it led to him having his best start of the year. And, you know, ultimately, the results will tell the story you know i'm already anxious to see josiah gray's next start and i think that's a really favorable one i had him as a sleeper for that you said the diamondbacks right
0: he's got the pirates this weekend he's pirates at at the diamondbacks next week
1: okay so i was more concerned about i I had him among my sleeper pitchers for this week with two starts but i was more concerned about this first one against the mets than the the second against the pirates so i'm I'm already anxious to see that next start what the usage is if he continue if he can continue to miss bats like he did in this one, but since allowing three home runs on opening day, he's allowed just one home run and four starts, and whatever it takes to keep the ball in the yard uh if if Josiah Gray is able to do that, then the results should be pretty good
0: mm hmm some of the most added starting pitchers right now. I'm looking at the veterans for now because we're going to have a conversation coming up about all these pitching prospects. Uh, so I'm going to leave that for later. But Drew Smiley and Eduardo Rodriguez, Scott, are two kind of veteran-type pitchers who are on the most added list. Uh, would you rather have Josiah Gray over either of those?
1: Smiley, and who was the other one?
0: Eduardo Rodriguez.
1: I would rather have Gray than Smiley. It's a closer call with... Eduardo Rodriguez, Sorry. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I will go Eduardo Rodriguez, then Josiah Gray, then uh, Drew Smiley of those three.
0: All right, let's talk about all the prospects, Scott, and the biggest news, well, maybe not the biggest news, but it is very big news. Um, Taj Bradley optioned back to AAA on Tuesday, and the explanation that we were given was that Bradley needed to work on a five-day schedule because he's currently on a six-day schedule, so they sent him down, they want to get him you know, going every fifth day in a normal, like a normal rotation, would be. And the second excuse was that the Rays want to give Yanni Chirinos and Josh Fleming some more work. I I don't know that I buy that exactly, Scott. But uh, mm-hmm. obviously, this is very frustrating. The questions are: We're rolling in. What do we do with Taj Bradley? Do we hold on to him? When might we When might we see him again? It's I, I think we can answer the first one. Do we hold on to him? The second one, we don't really know. Do you have a feel for? what the Rays are doing right now with Taj Bradley?
1: I mean, Ray's going to Ray is really <laughs> yeah. my my response to this. I, I don't think it's a big deal for Taj Bradley's fantasy value. Yes, the uncertainty is annoying. Yes, the fact he's not going to be a two-start pitcher after all this week is annoying. But he's going to be back soon enough. They, they have three true starting pitchers on their roster right now. Yes, Torinos and Fleming have both started in the past, but... You know they're they're not they're not in a position to do that right now, so I I don't know how the how uh, they're going to handle this next time through the rotation. The Rays I I don't know why they can't adjust if 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 that's even a valid reason adjusting Taj Bradley so you know that he's used to going every fifth day. I don't know why that adjustment couldn't happen in the majors. I don't know what it takes for that adjustment to to. Take root, you know, for them to say, yes, he's adjusted now. We can trust him to start every fifth day. I, I don't know what that looks like. Ultimately, I think it's more just a temporary frustration than something to lose your mind over and uh, keep Bradley on your roster. And sooner than later, you're going to find out he's scheduled to make a start on this day. Okay, plug him back into your lineup.
0: Mm-hmm. Taj Bradley is up to. rostered, so yeah, I think you got to hold him. As good as he's looked, six-plus strikeouts in all three of his starts, 3.52 ERA, 0.91 whip. How about some of these underlying ERA estimators for Taj Bradley? 2.60 FIP, 2.35 Sierra, 1.58 expected ERA. He has been dominant so far. So look, you spent big money on Taj Bradley and Fab or use the top waiver spot, I think you got to continue to hold on to him. The other big news, Scott, and it's just kind of speculation for now. We, we don't know for sure, but Cleveland Guardians pitching prospect Tanner Bybee was scratched from his appearance on Tuesday in the minors, and now there's speculation because the Guardians don't have a probable pitcher set for Wednesday that Bybee is going to make that start. Now, we don't know for sure. There's They have not confirmed that as of now. We're recording this you know, late on Tuesday night. But if he does come up, I mean, this is a guy that's in that same kind of conversation as Taj Bradley and Brendan Fott and Mason Miller. So uh, in 28 starts in the minors, from last year and this year so far, for Bybee, 2.13 ERA, 0.97 whip, 186 strikeouts, over 148 innings pitched. So the next question, Scott, is, what are your thoughts on Bybee? And how do you rank all these names? Taj Bradley, Bybee, Logan Allen, Mason Miller, Brandon Fott?
1: Mm, man, that second one is really hard to answer with the <laughs> rankings because we don't know. Yeah. Like Even if Bybee comes up, we don't know if that would be a one-and-done situation because they have five healthy starters, the Guardians, already. Now, could they move on from Zach Plesak pretty easily if if Bybee uh, comes up and and shows he deserves to stay? Of course. Doesn't mean that's the most likely scenario. But it it is a possibility. And, you know, remember the first time Taj Bradley came up, we said, yeah, I don't really see how he's going to stick around. I guess we were right about that in retrospect, but not because the Rays didn't have an opening for him. Like, life finds a way, right? So, um, Bybee is, is a bigger prospect than Logan Allen. And he is a more... Uh, He stands out in in more traditional ways than Allen does. Allen has succeeded a lot through deception and and overcoming a lack of big stuff. While Bibby has better pure stuff and and also remarkable control. If you you look at his walk rate in the three starts this year, it's high because his last start he happened to walk a bunch of guys. But uh, last year, Tanner Bybee in the minors, his walk rate was... 1.8 1.8 per nine innings mm. to go with 11.3 K per nine. And it, him being in the guardians organization that earned him some chain Bieber comparisons from the prospect towns because Bieber really stood out for his ridiculous walk rates before being called up to. So I really like Tanner by I, I think if, if we had assurances, he'd stick around, honestly, he might be just as exciting, if not more so than Brandon Fott. I don't think it's crystal clear which of the two of them is the better prospect. But we don't know that he's even coming up, first of all. And we don't know that he's sticking if he does because they already have five starters, as I said. So, getting to the ranking of these players for fantasy, I'm going to go Taj Bradley, number one. I'm going to go Logan Allen, number two, because they haven't sent him down yet. So, I think that means they plan to keep him around. I don't know. Maybe that's the transaction that gets Bybee on the roster. I don't know. But I'm I'm, a, I'm presuming Allen has a spot for now. Third, I am going to go with... I'm going to go with Brandon Fodd, actually, because I'm pretty sure his he, he's going to get an opportunity soon here. And then I'll go with Tanner Bybee. And I'm, I'm actually going to go with Mason Miller last year here. I was saying on yesterday's show or on Monday's show that I feel like the hype has exceeded the utility for Mason Miller, and his start today against the Angels was pretty underwhelming. And I mean, it's he, he threw he threw a very hard fastball again, but his he allowed contact at average exit velocity over a hundred miles per hour, and he only made it four innings again, allowed four earned runs in those innings, and it was just like if if you're not if if you're going to be pitching for the A's. You have to be lights out to be an impactful fantasy pitcher, and I I just don't think Mason Miller, at this point in his development, anyway, is there.
0: More on Mason Miller in just a bit because I watched every pitch of his start on Tuesday night, and uh, every pitch, every single pitch for one. I did not look away. I was. It set me back. It set me back a little bit, Scott. Um, (laughs) If I'm ranking this group, yeah, I think it's tough, Scott, because like given. We don't know who's going to stick around. It's based on performance. If Tanner Bybee comes up on Wednesday and pitches really well, then he probably sticks around. Uh, It's worth mentioning that Peyton Battenfield made a start on Tuesday and he looked pretty bad. And yeah, that's a good point. Cal Quantrill got rocked on Monday and Zach police has terrible numbers this year. So I think that they could just kind of push all in on like a prospect pitching staff. And it would make some sense to me, at least for the Cleveland guardians. So if I'm ranking this group for now, I would put Taj Bradley at the top. I, Think I would go. Brandon Fott second. There was a report on Tuesday, according to Theo Mackey of the Arizona Republic, Fott could start this weekend in Colorado, which is like the last place you want to start a rookie. But okay.
1: And hey man, he's he's already used to that kind of environment with how where he's had to pitch in the minors.
0: That's true. Uh, so I'm going Taj Bradley, Brandon Fott. I guess Logan Allen, just because for the reasons you mentioned, we know he's up right now, and I, I don't as good as he looked. I don't think they're going to send him down right away. Uh, and then Tanner Bybee and then Mason Miller. But I mean, if we're just going based on pure stuff, like Tanner Bybee might be second for me. So
1: just. So you're keep going that in Mason mind. Miller last, too. I am going Mason must, Miller you last. You must not have liked what you saw watching every pitch.
0: Mm, not necessarily, but there are limitations. So let's talk about it. The final line it is disappointing. I wrote on the rundown, it seems disappointing. It, it is disappointing. Four innings, five hits, four earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts. Nine swinging strikes on 86 pitches. Uh, He threw 12 fastballs, 100-plus miles per hour. We know that. He could throw very hard. His first inning, Scott, was very eventful. He got squeezed big time against Anthony Rendon. He threw a fastball down the middle, legitimately down the middle. You can go on MLB.com, game day. You can look. It was down the middle, and they called it a ball. He wound (laughs) up walking Anthony Rendon, and then everything just kind of spiraled after that in in that first inning. Uh, The next batter was Brandon Drury and he hit a line drive to center field. Esther Ruiz like slipped on the play and it turned like what would have been a single if he just knocked it down, he just didn't get to it. It turned into a two-run triple. And uh after that there was like a few more hits. He settled down after that though. His final 3 innings of work he gave up one hit, zero walks and four strikeouts. So I mean to be able to have an a first inning that bad and then settle down, I was pretty impressed by that, but for the reasons you mentioned, Scott, uh, obviously pitching for the Oakland A's, Shea Langoliers did not realize this before. He is a terrible framer. There were pitches that were like right there on the corners where Langoliers just kind of like flailed his glove at it and just did not do a good job at framing pitches. So I worry about that. Obviously, the defense behind him, the run support's not going to be good. Uh, I think there's a pitcher there, a very exciting pitcher, but there are limitations. So uh, I like him. I, I would. I guess I would drop him for any of those other pitchers that we talked about, but um, yeah. if they're already if those guys are not available and you picked up Mason Miller, then I would just hold and you know, see where it goes from here. Uh, yeah, I,
1: I I'm just saying like you have to temper your expectations. He could take off at some point. That's that's always a possibility. Like things can change very quickly for a pitcher, especially or really for any player. I mean look at look at what's happened with with Jose Barrios. Jack Flaherty, how quickly we've changed our tune with them, especially Barrios. But only once in his entire career as a professional has Mason Miller gone five innings, and it was his very last minor league start. And again, like it's it's such a big hurdle to clear pitching for the A's because they are terrible. They are historically bad. Yes. So how good does Mason Miller have to be to win a decent number of starts. You know, it's it's just so many things stacked up against him, and whatever bad luck he may have suffered from in this start here Tuesday, again, average exit velocity over 100 miles per hour. When they yeah. made contact, it was really, really hard contact, and they made contact more than you might think because his swinging strike rate was only 10.5%, which is nothing special.
0: Yeah, he's he is not perfect by any means. He... He needs to work on his breaking pitches. I think the slider and cutter are, are serviceable pitches for him, but he couldn't throw them for strikes. And so opposing batters in this start, they were just laying off and they were just teeing up on the fastball. They were timed up for the fastball. That's all they they were swinging at. So he's got some things that he needs to work on. But as I mentioned, again, like if those other names are available, okay, you could drop Mason Miller for them. But if not, I would say let's just hold, uh, see where it goes from here. Uh, the, the pitch count is interesting. 81 in his first outing, 86 in this one. So... It wouldn't surprise me if he can go like five innings regularly uh based on that pitch count at least um frankly i I, he's throwing more pitches than i thought he would let's take our first break and when we return i got a few other waiver wire pitchers we'll get to right after this paramount plus and the national park foundation present a mountain of zen this earth week you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on paramount plus Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.
1: You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If Ready PG.
0: Welcome back, and just a quick reminder to sign up for our Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter. Dan Steyer does a great job with it. You can head over to cbssports.com newsletters, punch in your email address, and press sign up. It's easy as that, it's free, and you get the latest news and articles delivered right to your inbox every single day. Spoke about Josiah Gray earlier, and he was really at the top of the, the waiver wire pitchers. Yeah, where does he fit into that group, Scott? I, I guess, look, if we're talking about Brandon Fodd and all these names that are available right now, where would Josiah Gray rank on that list?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Because I, I don't actually have a lot of faith in Josiah Gray. I mean, <laughs> he's, done, he's done what he needs to do to avoid the season he has. He's kept the ball in the park. But am I confident that he's... He's made the adjustments necessary to continue with that, or is it just is it just kind of a thing that's happened? you know? And uh, we've gotten burned, as I talked about in at length yesterday, we've gotten burned in recent years by just kind of having blind faith in the upside guy, the the prospect who just got promoted and it going pretty disastrously that's happened that's been happening more and more. I am going to say. That I would rather have him, I, I would rather have, I, I think Mason Miller is the only one I'd rank behind Josiah Gray from that previous group. So I would take over him uh, each of Taj Bradley, Logan Allen, Tanner Bybee, and Brandon Fott over Josiah Gray. So that that shows you kind of where I am with Gray in terms of level of faith, confidence that what he's doing is is something he can sustain. It it may depend on what your actual needs are. Like is is this somebody you can afford to stash on your bench or do you need to be able to plug this guy in your lineup right away? Well the the one who's most likely to 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 take his next turn is Josiah Gray. And yeah. so you know, it maybe depends on your needs, maybe depends on your league depth, where exactly you slot him in there. But as a general rule, I'm going to I'm I'm, when when it is when it is a player that I don't have much faith in, I'm going to still side with the upside guys.
0: All right. Outside of Josiah Gray, a few other names that stood out on Tuesday night. Marco Gonzalez has had a solid start to the season. Five innings, one run, two strikeouts for him. He was at the Phillies. The ERA is three point three two with a one point two five whip. Griffin Canning had a solid outing versus the A's. Five innings, three runs, seven strikeouts with 14 swinging strikes only 17% rostered, and Brady Singer, we recently have called a drop, and rightfully so. He's down to 64% rostered. He turned in his first quality start of the season. Six innings, one run, five strikeouts, zero walks. Scott, I think we need to see a lot more from Brady Singer before we consider picking him back up, but what do you think about this group, Singer, Canning, and Marco Gonzalez?
1: Oh, I'm most excited about Canning. He has yet to go six innings. You know, coming off multiple injury plague seasons, so it's understandable that he's not taken on a big workload yet. But if he continues to pitch this well, it I, I imagine he'll start going deeper and deeper into games. Between his three starts now, he has a sixteen point seven percent swinging strike rate, which yeah. would rank up there with the very best in all of baseball. That's like you know, that's like Garrett Cole type stuff. Just looking at swinging strike rate, obviously. Obviously, it's you probably shouldn't do single-factor analysis with pitchers, but that's a really good skill to have, Griffin Canning. It is something he showed before these injury issues started. Remember, he was a favorite of my mine uh, coming off his rookie season because he showed so much swing and miss with that slider especially. So I am excited about Griffin Canning, and he is somebody who I would try to add, not over Josiah Gray, not over some of those other exciting young pitchers we were talking about earlier. But uh, just in a in a general sense, if they're already rostered, if you have a spot to play with, Canning, I think, is worth pursuing. As for the other ones, uh, Marco Gonzalez is uh, you know he he has a track record of being pretty effective in fantasy. Last year was more the exception than the rule, but it's always been ways in ways that are difficult to understand. A really poor bat misser. I'd be I'd be reluctant to invest in him as more than a streamer type. And uh, Brady Singer, I'm, I like you said, Frank. I need to see a lot more because he entered this start. Like I feel like average exit velocity is this is the stat I'm beating to death here in this particular podcast. But he would what first percentile. First percent, it was worse than 99% of the league in terms of average exit velocity, Brady Singer, coming into the start, 97.6 miles per hour. Ugh. It was 84.7 in this start. So he. it wasn't just that he happened to get good results. It, it seemed like he was missing the barrels better. He was pitching better. And if it continues, then maybe Brady Singer is going to be somebody to look into in fantasy again. Maybe he can go the way of Jose Barrios and reclaim his value, but I need to see more. And I don't think he has as much upside as a Jose Barrios anyway. So that's another reason why there, there's no need to uh, do a total about face on him yet.
0: I don't think this matters, but Ryan Feltner has two strong starts in a row, Scott. And uh, for those who don't know, he pitches for the Colorado Rockies. I don't blame you if you don't know uh, six innings, one unearned run with six strikeouts. And uh, he's throwing his change up more this season. This is a very deep league name, Scott, but anything with Ryan Feltner?
1: Oh, it takes it takes a lot to win me over to a Rockies pitcher (laughs) unless he just has this huge prospect pedigree. And even the Rockies pitchers we've seen come up with that kind of pedigree over the years have, you know, not been standouts in fantasy. I'm thinking John Gray specifically. So, no, I'm I'm not going to be making a move for Feltner, even in my deepest leagues.
0: All right, let's hit some news and notes. Yordan Alvarez's neck injury was, quote, about the same as Monday, and apparently an IL stint has not been ruled out for Yordan Alvarez. Scott, we had a long conversation about Jordan Walker yesterday. He has now sat out two in a row and three of his past four games with the Cardinals, and somebody on Twitter pointed out to us that Walker made a pretty bad base running mistake recently, so perhaps that's the reason why, but man, two games in a row sitting out uh, there is a reported
1: reason why why is that so this is coming from Katie Wu of The Athletic I'll read the tweet directly Jordan Walker has been working on a variety of things with his swings specifically his posture and rotation which is why he's been out of the lineup for the last two games there's also been a focus to get him off the ground more and lower his chase rate outside the zone I think get off the ground more means elevating right? hitting the ball in the air uh so they're working on a swing. I don't know if he'd be better served working on a swing in the minors. I, I don't know. That that that's kind of a weird report, like how much work can be done on your swing between starts. But I yeah, I, I, I don't really know whether to take that as an encouraging sign. Okay, they're they're sitting him because they're working on things. It's not because they Just don't want to start him anymore, or if it's a dis- discouraging sign, oh, they think he needs a lot of work. How much longer are they going to keep him around? I don't know how to take it. Uh, I think, uh, I think you just sit tight with Jordan Walker because in the long run, he's still probably going to be a big fantasy asset. But it's, it's, he hasn't hit the ground running, it's fair to say.
0: Yeah, and all of those things are accurate. His ground ball rate is 60% so far. That is much higher than we'd like it to be. His chase rate is a touch over 40%, which league average is around, you know, 30, 32%. So uh, yeah, both of those numbers are high. And uh, even with that, still batting 274, two homers, two steals, a 718 OPS. So I fall on the side of more encouraged, Scott, that he has these issues, they're aware of them. And even with that, he hasn't been a total disaster. He still has had some good moments so far this season Carlos Rodon plans to throw off the mound on Friday he'll need several bullpens without issue before heading out on a rehab assignment Jake McCarthy has been optioned back to AAA and it's got lots of questions about McCarthy uh do you drop him everywhere even your I don't know 15 team five outfielder leagues
1: uh probably I'd hesitate in the 15 team five outfielder leagues it would obviously depend what I could pick up instead. The the waiver wire is generally pretty sparse there. Yeah. So um, maybe not in those formats, but if you're talking a 12-team Roto League with five outfield spots, I mean, the main thing we were hoping McCarthy would contribute is stolen bases, and those are looking pretty plentiful at this point with no idea when he's going to come back, how he's going to perform when he does. I, I think it's probably okay to move on.
0: Tim Anderson will likely need 10 to 15 at-bats during his minor league rehab stint before he can return to the White Sox. Dodgers catcher Will Smith is slated to take live batting practice on Wednesday, and he's been on the concussion IL for just over a week now, I think nine days. Uh, Last Monday he was placed on the IL, so hopefully we get him back soon. MJ Melendez has missed two straight due to back tightness. Logan Gilbert had his start pushed back to Wednesday because he felt muscle spasms in his scapula. Tony Gonslin is confirmed to make his uh, first start of the season on Wednesday at the Pirates. Rysel Iglesias will throw either live batting practice or in a minor league rehab appearance on Thursday. He has missed the start of the season due to a shoulder injury. Austin Hayes was removed Tuesday night with a right hand contusion. Preliminary x-rays came back negative for any fractures. But if Austin Hayes does have to go on the IL for this reason, Scott... Perhaps we see Colton Cowser get the call for the Orioles.
1: Perhaps we do. Colton Cowser is a top prospect. He was the fifth overall pick in 2021, and so far this year, Triple A Norfolk, he's hitting .290 with three homers, two steals, an 880 OPS, high walk rate, .407 OBP. Last year at Double A. Uh, And he he, last year was split between three levels, but he played 49 games at double A and hit 341. Did Colton Kowser. The strikeout rate is a little higher than you'd like for a guy who doesn't profile as like a big power hitter. But uh, certainly in five outfielder leagues, he'd be somebody you'd want to invest in as soon as he got the call. And there's no reason he couldn't stay up, even if, even when uh, Austin Hayes returns. like If he performs well, they have a DH spot to play with. They could just slide Anthony Santander there, presuming Anthony Santander is deserving of being in the lineup still at that point. So, yeah, definitely keep an eye on what happens with Colton Kowser. I imagine he'll be – I'm writing the prospects report tomorrow. I imagine he'll be featured pretty prominently in that.
0: Lance McCullers threw 20 to 30 pitches from the front of the bullpen mound on Tuesday. He's still several weeks away. And Scott, what do you think happens when Lance McCullers returns? Who gets the boot from the Astros rotation?
1: It could possibly be Jose Urquidy, who has struggled in his last two starts. Hunter Brown, I think, would would be the odds-on favorite. They could shift him to the bullpen or whatever else. It's, It's not like he's been... So overpowering that it would be ridiculous to take him out of the rotation. But they could do Urquiti instead. I it, it would be somebody we're invested in either way. Obviously, we'd rather have McCullers. But yeah, we'd be losing somebody who has some value.
0: TD Martinez was out of the lineup Tuesday due to back tightness. Garrett Mitchell will have surgery on his left shoulder after receiving a second opinion. If everything works out, he could be back towards the end of the season. But in redraft leagues, he can be dropped. More bad news for the Brewers as top outfield prospect Sal Freelich is having surgery to repair a torn UCL in his thumb. So he's out for the next four to six weeks or so. Ranger Suarez will begin a rehab assignment at A on Thursday. He's 35% rostered. Scott, any interest in Ranger Suarez?
1: Not really, but it it will probably come to pass that he's in my 10 sleeper pitchers one of these weeks i i i think he's probably going to be more in that uh, streamable class of starting pitchers than somebody who needs to be rostered everywhere
0: angels manager phil nevin said jose suarez will stay in the team's rotation on a start by start basis and chase silseth was pitching well in the minors um, but left his start tuesday with a blister so um, maybe that's why they didn't make a move yet but Uh, If Silseth is okay and Suarez continues to struggle, they probably make that swap at some point. Uh, Brian Reynolds finally reached an agreement with the Pirates, signing an eight-year, $106.75 million extension, which uh, I kind of went back and forth a little bit on this guy. I think it's a little team-friendly, this deal, uh, Brian Reynolds with the Pirates. I don't know if you saw the logistics. I mean, I
1: didn't see the breakdown, but yeah, it surprised me how low it was given what a trade asset he was supposed to be. You know, and, and he's he's nearing the end of team control too, right? So to get him at, what does that average out to a year? It averages out to just over 13 million. Yeah. Like that's like the, the kinds of contracts, free agent contracts that were being handed out this off season to players in, in, like of Brian Reynolds stature. Like what would he get in the open market? Like between twenty five and thirty million a year? It it seemed ridiculously team friendly to me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I'd do it. (laughs)
0: Last but not least, Cody Bellinger was also placed on the paternity list on Tuesday. Uh, Scott, do you know which team Cody Bellinger played for last year? By the way,
1: the (laughs) Dodgers. Yeah, they must have had a pregnancy pack going on. That's that's all I can figure. They said, "All right, we're gonna go home. We're not going to the All Star Game. So let's." Go home and see how many of us can get our wife pregnant. That 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 must have been a conversation that happened in the clubhouse.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like, planning like it nine months in advance, figure. they just kind of tell it, hey, we'll have one week where we're all off during the baseball season next year, and, and then we'll all be back right after that, and everything will be all right. So it's
1: just a very, very... Yeah. To prove your virility while you're off
0: <laughs> very very interesting stuff there let's take our final break and when we get back a few waiver wire hitters on fantasy baseball today
1: the chilling new original docuseries on paramount plus
0: Let's talk waiver wire hitters, and we'll start with some outfielders here. Charlie Blackman was moved up to the leadoff spot for the Rockies. He went two for five with his second home run. He's down to 70% rostered, so could be out there in some shallower leagues, and maybe he was dropped uh, you know, for the right reasons. You know, Not providing much at this point in his career. Jaron Duran, post-hype Jaron Duran, three for four with a grand slam. His first home run of the season, he added three runs scored. He had four hard-hit balls in this one. The home run was 107.8 miles per hour off the bat, traveled 409 feet. He's hitting the ball hard. The problem here, Scott, has been the strikeout so far uh, for Jaron Duran. He did have zero strikeouts in this game, but um, overall he's got a 31% strikeout rate early on. Joey Manessis went three for five with two RBI. He's slowly coming around. Mike Yastrzemski went two for four with his fifth home run. He's been hot his last 15 games. He's batting three sixteen with three homers. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, one for five with his fifth homer, added three RBI. He's batting two seventy. I think he still has more walks than strikeouts, or at least he did the last time I checked. Uh, Scott, how do you... Uh, I mean, there's five names here. Who are your three favorites from this group? Blackman, Duran, uh, Manessis, Yastrzemski, and McCutcheon. Uh, McCutcheon
1: is number one, I think. yeah. I will go I think Yastremsky number two. And for what it's worth, like I'm not I'm not super high on any of these guys. I don't think any of them have much utility in three outfielder leagues. Like if you're in a pinch, obviously you could pick one up and start him. But yeah, I'm gonna say McCutcheon and Yastremsky, two guys who we've seen be impactful fantasy players in the past and i think third i'm gonna say jaron duran just because i'm intrigued by the upside he's the only real base dealer of this group and so yeah i those are gonna be in the top three Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i'm very interested in what duran is doing right now for the red sox uh i lied about mccutcheon he's struck out a a little bit more recently so he's up to 12 walks to 15 strikeouts but still that's very good plate discipline. I, I'm, I'm not really sure if anything's changed for Yastrzemski because the last time we saw
1: him be a, a, a quality fantasy option was 2020, so it's been a couple years. But he already has the hardest hit ball of his career this year, which I always find interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about a few catchers here, Scott. Uh, there's been a lot of catcher injuries recently, and... Um, So let's talk about it. Danny Jansen went three for four with a double dong. Four RBI. He has three homers over his last three games. He's just not playing that much. That's been the issue for Jansen. 32% rostered. Caber Ruiz went three for four with his second home run. He's batting two eighty-eight early on. Shea Langeleers went one for two with a walk and his fifth homer. Blake Sable went two for four with his fourth home run. It was a walk-off two-run shot in that game, uh, last game of the night up against the Cardinals. How do you rank that group, Scott? Jansen, Cabert Ruiz, Langoliers, and Blake Sable.
1: I guess I'll still put Jansen number one because I don't think any of the other three have done enough to overtake him. Obviously, prior to this two-homer game, Jansen had done next to nothing, but yeah, he has a little bit of a track record that we can uh, hope on. So I'll go Jansen number one. If it's a points league, I might go Ruiz number two just because he never strikes out. But if it's Categories League, he's going to drop to fourth for me. And I'll take Langoliers over Sable. Mm-hmm. Though of these four, I still kind of feel like Sable has the most upside. He, his quality of contact is very high. He hasn't made a lot of contact, but he's getting plenty of playing time. He's also the only one of these four who's likely to contribute any number of stolen bases. So keep an eye on Blake Sable.
0: All right, for the deep leaguers out there, Mauricio Dubone went two for five with two doubles and his second steal. He now has a nineteen game hitting streak this season. Uh 18 run score, that helps. He's, you know, but batting average and runs, he's not really providing you much else outside of that. And a gentleman named Brenton Doyle was recently called up for the Rockies. He went three for four with two steals in his second game. Four percent rostered. Obviously, you know, some very deep league names here. Scott, anything we need to know what these two Dubon, Dubon and Doyle. I,
1: I don't think Dubon offers much offensively in the long run, so I wouldn't get too excited about him. There's just not a lot of upside there, and there's not a lot for Brenton Doyle either. But he was a 2020 guy in the minors last year: 26 homers, 23 steals. He reached base at a 300 clip between Double A AA and Triple A, so I don't, I don't think he really profiles as an everyday major leaguer. But there are. You know, Coors Field can can do some special things to hitters, and he has at least shown that power speed combo in the minors.
0: All right. Let's talk about a few pitchers who did not perform all that well here on Tuesday night. What do we do with them? Continue to start? Do we bench him or do we just flat out drop them? We'll start with Kyle Baddish. Very bad. Very badish. Up against the Red Sox, two and a third, eight hits, seven earned runs. Four walks, only one strikeout, allowed a lot of hard contact. And, you know, he's made two full starts. You know, he left early in his first start of the season, but he was great against the Nationals and then awful against the Red Sox here, Scott. He has a start at the Tigers this weekend and then at the Braves next week. What are we doing with Kyle Bradish?
1: So uh, obviously, he has a lot to prove still. And when you have a start this bad, it's. it's fine to move on if you need to. Like, if Bradish is who you need to drop to get that exciting waiver wire pickup, you know, I'd, I'd probably drop him for Josiah Gray at this point. It's not like I was particularly enthusiastic about uh, picking up Gray, but there is a case for holding on to Bradish too because his next start is at Detroit this weekend. At least see how that goes. And if he bounces back with a big start against that awful offense, well, then maybe. Maybe he's worth uh, holding on to for a little longer, though obviously you're probably not going to look to start him against the Braves next week.
0: Johan Oviedo had his first rough start of the, not of the season, of the week, um, but five and a third, five runs allowed, four of those earned, four strikeouts. I didn't really see anything that stood out to me here, Scott. And you know, Nothing too bad. He didn't allow a, a lot of hard contact. I think maybe just got babbipped a little bit in this one. Uh, I only bring it up because some people might see this and say, oh, um, I picked him up for two starts. So I'm going to go ahead and drop him now. What would you say to that?
1: Yeah, like I said earlier in the show, I'm still enthusiastic about Oviedo. Uh, he he, he kind of ran out of steam there after four innings, uh, allowed the other three runs in the fifth and sixth. And also his slider was down a mile per hour and a half, and remember the jump in three miles per hour is kind of what has allowed him to take off this year. So that's something to keep an eye on, but just a one-start lip particularly against the Dodgers I'm not I'm not really gonna hold it against him
0: all right next up we have Noah Syndergaard who was on the other side uh, other side of that game and he now has three quality starts and two awful starts he gave up seven earned runs over four innings pitched at the Pirates nine hard hits allowed uh, in this start and because of the two blowups he now has a 6.58 ERA still 87% rostered Scott what are you doing with Noah Syndergaard
1: I don't have a lot of faith in him. I haven't seen anything in his, any arsenal changes or any of the underlying stats that make me think, okay, he can survive with this reduced velocity. The Dodgers can, the Dodgers have worked their magic on some veteran pitchers in the past, but I remain highly skeptical that they're going to do that with cinder guard and uh i don't think he's must roster by any stretch
0: mm-hmm. would you drop him for the group of prospects we talked about earlier
1: yeah yeah any of them
0: okay what about mike levenger he gave up six earned runs over five innings pitch he's up to a 4.81 era and 1.60 whip he gone he gone get him out of there five more walks for my boy blake snell who i was uh telling people to draft, unfortunately. Five innings pitched, two earned runs, five walks, five strikeouts. He has 18 walks in 23 (laughs) and a third innings this season. Yep. Uh, Seven walks per nine so far this year. What do we do, Scott?
1: I am thankful I'm not invested in Blake Snell anywhere because I think this is probably the most difficult player to deal with. Gosh. Because... I mean, what happened each of the last two years, second half rolls around and he looks like an ace, but there's no guarantee that's going to happen again this year. So do you just plant him on your bench in the hope that come late July, you'll have a nice, a really nice pitcher at that point? I, I don't think I'd be ready to drop him just yet because like it doesn't necessarily have to be in late July when it happens either. Maybe he turns things around to May this year. But like it's just the the two-faced nature of Blake Snell just makes him really difficult to deal with. Obviously can't start him right now. He's crushing your whip and most of the time your ERA too. Yep.
0: Yeah. And for those who play in points leagues, he routinely is worse in that format too, because he does he doesn't go all that deep into his starts. He doesn't provide many quality starts. So He's got a two-star week next week, it looks like, up against the Reds and the Dodgers. Ugh, that's going to have to be one that we talk about on, on Friday's podcast. A few pitching standouts. Uh, Joe Ryan, man, uh, bad job by me because we're 55 minutes in. I mean, I don't know that there's much to say outside of <laughs> he's been amazing so far this season, but that's exactly right. Seven innings, two runs, seven strikeouts, zero walks going up against the Yankees in this one. Joe Ryan is 5-0. and oh. He's got a 2.81 ERA, 0.81 WHIP, 36 strikeouts to just four walks this season. He has been phenomenal. Yep. I, uh, I, I, I said I was fading him this year, and I, I've been dead wrong about him so far. Scott, you moved him up to SP 31, and uh, mm-hmm. I was glancing on my rankings, and uh, I think he's going to get inside my top 30. That range yeah. features a lot of inconsistent pitchers right now. With Lance Lynn and Chris Sale and Nick Dolo. so I I think Joe Ryan should be ranked ahead of all those teams.
1: Yeah, I have him ahead of those three, getting him up to 31. I do have him behind Nestor Cortez, but you could talk me into moving him ahead of Cortez. You could probably talk me into moving him ahead of George Kirby, and that would put him at 29th for me. Yeah, that's uh that's about the level I'm valuing Joe Ryan right now, who I thought, you know, obviously has a tremendous had a tremendous minor league track record, and is, I, I I thought. I thought did some pretty impressive things last year, too. Seems to be building off that.
0: Mm -hmm. A few other standouts. Charlie Morton had his best start of the season up against the Marlins. Seven innings, one run, nine strikeouts for him. Luis Garcia makes it two strong starts in a row. He was at Tampa Bay. Six shutout with seven strikeouts in that one. Justin Steele continues his breakout season up against the Padres. Five and a third shutout with five strikeouts. And Martin Perez turned in his first quality start of the year. Six and a third, one unearned run, five strikeouts going up against the Reds. Anything that stood out for those names, Scott Perez, Steele, Luis Garcia, and Charlie Morton.
1: Nice to see Perez get back on, on track with a quality start. First quality start of the year, his average exit velocity is about the same as last year, and his walk rate's actually better than last year. So... I'm not saying he's must roster or anything, but it wouldn't surprise me if if Martin Perez turned out to be a pretty reliable option again, even if even if the, the innings have been limited here early on. Uh, as for Luis Garcia, as you mentioned, two awesome starts in a row after a rough start to the season. He in these two starts, he's featured his cutter a lot more. He's thrown it, I believe, yeah, about four close to 50% of the time, each of these last two starts. Uh, And it's been, you know, obviously it's led to good results for him. So hopefully he's unlocked something there, figured something out that will allow him to take the next step forward in his development. But, you know, he was already pretty highly regarded to begin with.
0: All right, a few hitting leftovers. Masataka Yoshida went two for four and now has multiple hits in five of his last six games. And during that span, he's got 12 hits, two homers, nine RBI. Needs a little bit of time. Looks like he is uh, coming around. Masataka Yoshida. Maybe the breakout game that Miguel Vargas needs to get going. He went two for four with a double, two RBI, and a walk. Jared Kelnick.
1: I think that double was a bloop for what it's worth, a blooper. But, but sometimes hey sometimes that that uh, raises the confidence and you see a hot streak develop from that that's what all the old school announcers always told me anyway
0: (laughs) oh man old school announcers it just reminds me about some of them are just so salty about analytics and it's just it's so frustrating to hear like when you're watching games there are some broadcasters that do a great job with it I, i really like listening to the the Astros broadcast. They're very, like, forward-thinking, and they openly talk about, like, StatCast and and FIP and XFIP and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, this is great. Love it. Uh, Jared Kelnick went three for four with his seventh home run. He hit a double, and the home run came off of lefty Bailey Falter, which is a great sign. I mean, we get to um... everyday playing time and doing it against righties and lefties now, Scott. it's, It's looking good.
1: Yeah, I'm beginning to think this is... I'm I'm beginning to become a true believer here in Jared Kelnick. You know, I, obviously, I was more open to drafting him than a lot of people coming into the year, but with a certain amount of healthy skepticism still. Even prior to this game, with the two extra base hits off a lefty, he was, you know, five for fifteen off lefties with only three strikeouts, a home run, a double. You know, now the numbers look even better. Uh, he's hit three home runs. Uh, I don't know exactly the the pitches, the, the home run. I don't know what the pitch was that he homered off of today, but he entered today's game with three home runs off sliders. Uh, his strikeout rate is down to about 25%. Like everything is looking good for Jared Kelnick right now. And um, I think, uh, I think if you drafted him, you should be pretty excited.
0: How about this? By the end of April, who had Jared Kelnick being more valuable in fantasy than Julio Rodriguez? <laughs> that's pretty crazy to think about, huh, Scott?
1: Yeah, we got five days to go. A lot can <laughs> change just in one day. But yeah, as of as of now, that's, that's true.
0: That is crazy. Yeah, I'm looking at Roto rankings. Kelnick is 42nd. Julio is 55th. So it could change, but man, that's... Uh, crazy Ozzy Albies went two for four with a double dong he's betting 263 he's got seven homers 23 steals so providing the counting stats except for steals he's got zero steals yeah. and uh he's 54th percentile in sprint speed which seemed a little low for me
1: yeah he, he he doesn't usually ray high in sprint speed at least he hasn't the past couple years so that doesn't that doesn't strike me as odd I think part of the issue is just that he hasn't spent much time at first base. He doesn't walk much, and uh, a lot of his hits so far have been, like seven home runs. A lot of them have been the extra base variety. Mm-hmm. So I still would pencil Albie's in for between fifteen to twenty steals when all said and done. Yeah, fifty-four percentile sprint speed was exactly the same as last year. Okay, uh, it, it has been declining over the course of his career, but I think I think this like remember Jason Stark. Had that article he wrote prior to the season interviewing <laughs> mainly Albies about the new rules, and Albies was like, Sure, I'll go 40 40. Why not? So, <laughs> yeah. like, it, it seems like he has he's motivated to run, and maybe he just hasn't gotten any opportunities yet. But, like, to see what he's doing yeah. with the bat, I think the question <laughs> we had coming in about, Oh, will his power translate to this new environment? Well, I guess that remains unanswered because the new environment is now an even newer environment that's different, right. but. Albies is hitting for power is the bottom line.
0: Jorge Polanco is on fire since returning. He went two for four with two doubles and in five games played, he's got nine hits, one homer and six RBI. I moved him up to my 12th ranked second baseman. And I saw Scott, you moved him up to 13th and I think that's a good range for Jorge Polanco. Byron Buxton went two for four with his fourth home run. Got to see him come around a little bit. Corbin Carroll, Has been pretty great so far. Three for four with a double, triple, two runs scored and two stolen bases. He is now up to 10 steals on the season. He's batting over 300, and he's now batting third in the Diamondbacks lineup, so you'll love to see it. A few bullpen updates for the Dodgers in Evan Phillips' first game back. He pitched in the sixth inning with the Dodgers down Mm -hmm. seven to five at the time. Uh, the Dodgers later took the lead, and Shelby Miller pitched in the ninth inning for his first first save. I don't know if it's just because it's his first game back, Scott. They wanted to ease him back in or whatever, but it yeah, it's weird. Kind, kind it's of hard weird
1: because because Bruce Dar Gratterall is the latest taking paternity leave right now yep. for the Dodgers, right? Correct. So. Uh, and he got the most recent save. He's worked late in games. He, he's, I, I think his last three appearances, Gratterall's have been to finish out a game once for a save and once with Phillips setting up for him. I, I, I would still rather have Phillips than any other Dodgers reliever right now, but I think Gratterall is right there. Shelby Miller. I'm going to chalk this one up as a fluke. He's had a lot of walks out of the bullpen, and... um I'm not sure they really want him in this high leverage role. I know 164 ARA, but he's had a lot of had a lot of walks and this is a pretty new role for him. So it would be surprising if they went back to him for a bunch of saves. But it's it's interesting how they handled Phillips in this one, even with Gratterall not available.
0: For the Mariners, Paul Sewald entered the ninth with a three run lead. He gave up one run, but struck out two for his seventh save. For the Tigers, Alex Lang was unavailable. Jason Foley recorded the final four outs for his second save. For the Royals, Aroldis Chapman entered in the eighth with a three-run lead. He gave up two runs, one of those earned. He was relieved by Scott Barlow, who recorded the final five outs. He had two strikeouts, and he picked up his third save. So, all right. Maybe swinging a little bit back towards Scott Barlow now.
1: Maybe, yeah. And Chapman, I believe, took a loss on... Sunday or Monday as well in his previous appearance.
0: Yeah, I think it was Sunday, but uh, yeah, uh, maybe Barlow getting that back. For the Angels, well, technically he never lost it. For the Angels, Carlos Estevez retired the final five batters for his fourth save and is 49% rostered if you do need saves. The regular closers out there. For the Reds, Alexis Diaz struck out two for his third save. For the Red Sox, Kenley Jansen recorded the final two outs for his sixth save. Uh, for the Giants, Camilo Duval entered in the eighth with the game tied. Runners on second and third. He allowed a two run single. Looks like he was uh, about to take the loss. And then Ryan Helsley happened. He entered in the ninth inning with a two run lead. It did start out with an error, so not all his fault, uh, but gave up an RBI double and then a walk off two run homer to Blake Sable. So we'll see uh, how much of a leash. They give uh, Ryan Helsley moving forward to stream or not to stream. We'll start with Wednesday, Domingo Herman at the Twins.
1: I will give that a maybe. Okay. Let's see what else we have.
0: Kentomida versus the Yankees.
1: Gonna pass on that with the health issues.
0: Tanner, Tanner Hauk. Tanner Hauk at the Orioles. Nah. Tyler Wells versus the Red Sox. Uh, no. say Kikuchi versus the White Sox. Mm, I think
1: I like him a little more than Herman.
0: Michael Kopek at the Blue Jays. No. Herman Marquez at the Guardians? No. Rowanzi Contreras versus the Dodgers. No. Tywin Walker versus the Mariners. No. Mackenzie Gore at the Mets? No. Michael Waka at the Cubs? No. Drew Smiley versus the Padres? No. Uh Steven Matts at the Giants. No. And Luis Medina in his debut at the Angels. Going to think about this. No. All right. So it sounds like uh, Kikuchi and Herman are the the biggest maybes of that group there.
1: And who is? Okay. So the Guardians are facing Colorado. So if Tanner Bybee gets called up, that's a fascinating one.
0: Yeah, that is. I
1: (laughs) I might roll the dice on that, given the alternatives here.
0: Yeah, that's not a bad call. For Thursday, we've got Braxton Garrett at the Braves. Mitch Keller versus the Dodgers. Mm,
1: Tough matchup. Probably not.
0: Matt Strom versus the Mariners. No. Seth Lugo at the Cubs.
1: I could see doing that, but I'm not thrilled with it.
0: Hayden Wesneski versus the Mariners. No. JP Sears at the Angels. No. Kyle Gibson at the Tigers. Yes.
1: Yes. Though I will point out that didn't go so well for Eric Lauer here on Tuesday. He is it's hard to.
0: He's done. Eric Lauer's <laughs> done, man. <laughs> he,
1: they was so excited about him last time.
0: He's cooked. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, it's it, it's tough always like chasing yesterday's start, but it, I understand the temptation given how many how unreliable pitching on the hole has been. But yeah. you know, Eric Lauer
0: is Eric Lauer. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Joey Lucasi versus the Nationals. Um, if I'm feeling brave, maybe. Fortune favors the brave, Scott. Zach Greinke at the Twins. No. All right, we're gonna wrap there for Scott. I am Frank. Thanks as always for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye bye.